Alone we can do so little, together we can do so much. Welcome to Collective Voices, a place for Adventist voices passionate about discussing faith and innovative evangelism. And as always, the opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the opinions of the Collective Voices leadership team or its participants. How to connect or reconnect with Christians or people outside the church in this world post-COVID-19. And um, let's just set the state we are talking about. What is this world post-COVID-19? For me, personally, experientially, it's a world where, as you were saying, um, just it's a world where we have to do all these meetings online. We have to, if we go to church because they are open, we have to keep distance. We have to wear masks, uh, avoid hags or any physical contact. We have, if we are sick, like Ernie right now, (laughs) you have to basically retrieve yourself to hiding and (laughs) be the outcast, you know, kind of thing. Uh, Suffer alone. I'm just kidding. So, um, yeah. (laughs) So in this kind of world, what what do you guys think we, we can do to reconnect? or stay connected with with people without being awkward that's basically it it's kind of a tough question because it's like we don't know we don't know if there is even a post-covid like things are just so changed so fundamentally like can we go back to what was normal or what was considered normal or is every like every time like me like i have a flu right now like but if I were walking a crowd, having a coughing fits and like all that kind of stuff, like it would look very different now. Not, not even like a year ago, it'd be like totally a different feel. So it's hard to say because I mean, we had our last, we had a couple of meetings ago about like how to evangelize, right? And it seemed like people in the midst of this COVID right now, um, the best, the best and the biggest thing the most impactful thing was people still meeting with with people like one-on-one interaction was still so vitally important i don't see that i don't see that going away at all like regardless if we are tiptoeing past you know past covid or what have you being being there for individuals in like a physical sense um to assist them emotionally spiritually mentally you know all those types of things um it's going to be like super key to, to connect with them and, and make yourself readily available for their service. I think, I don't, I don't know. I think that still is tried and true. And, you know, I mean, what I'm trying to say basically is, is be, be a friend to those that you want to help. Um, and, and everything else will fall into place kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Yesterday I just was on the phone for like an hour and a half in the morning and then we weren't done, but I had to, hang up and go to work and then I called her again for three hours in the evening with who I call my little sister she calls me big sister we're not actually related but you could say we're related and so um yeah and she was even like you haven't called me for like this amount of time and I I need you and blah blah 
so I don't know that it's much different, you know, like she doesn't, she doesn't live in the same province. And so we talked on the phone before, and now that it's COVID, we still talk on the phone. So, um, yeah, like I, I felt like I just remembered how some things don't change in a way. Like there are some things that have definitely changed. And then there's some things that, you know, the phone is still there and the people that still, that didn't live close to you, they still need you even though they don't live close to you and be there, like you said, like, you know, be, be praying, be sensitive, let them know that you care, let them know that you're thinking about them. Uh, maybe even more than before, like, in my head, I was like, I, I still care about you the same way I always have. But <laughs> I guess, we you know, we need to just be aware to reinforce that and that people can, in the COVID world, feel more disconnected, feel more alone or isolated, like, they're more sensitive to the sense of I am alone, and they need reminders that we're there and yeah so I guess in short keep the connections you had before and you know if you talked on the phone keep talking on the phone and maybe a little more so even or just check in because people feel disconnected that is so true yeah it's it's amazing how COVID-19 separated us in some ways, but united us in some others. Like it separated us physically and somehow emotionally, mm -hmm. but united us electronically because we wouldn't be doing exactly this if it wasn't because everyone at certain point in this year was cooped up in rooms um, or homes or that kind of thing. So, yeah. Which is funny that you say that because like even on this particular call, if it was pre-COVID, it's not like I could see you guys anymore either. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I could still have to be on Zoom because none of us actually live right where the other person lives, like Philippines, Canada, and then two different areas of the States. But because of COVID, the initiative started, right? Exactly. Yeah, so it's interesting. Yeah, so in this case, uh, just you had opportunity, uh, the opportunity to have to have GYC for the first time ever online. How, yeah. how did you experience that? And um, what differences did you see from before? Right. Well, we had representation from six provinces, so that's one difference, positive difference. Before, the province that was hosting it had a high representation and then maybe two more provinces um, just because it's expensive, right? To fly and then you've got to do the conference venue and the hotel and the food and all those costs versus this time, all of those are covered. It's your bedroom, it's your own kitchen. It's <laughs> no, none of that. Yeah, exactly, powered to the pocket. So that was one difference for sure. Uh, broader reach, more kind of yeah, influx of people from different provinces. Second thing, um, as far as a, a similarity this time would be the demographic. I personally, more and more, I'm just feeling from God, like I, we need to, I need to, not we, everybody has their own thing, but <laughs> I need to shift gears and like think more about the younger guys. Like I need to think about high school or just graduating high school. They're feeling it really rough, especially right now. And they're not so grounded you know like when I, I think of what's held me through the years it's been God and I don't see them 
knowing what it means to hold on to him with all you got, you know? So, um, yeah, so GYC had the same kind of 20s and 30s demographic, and I'm thinking, well, where's my 18-year-olds? Where's my 19-year-olds? So anyway, that stayed the same. Um, not because it went online did it automatically mean that younger people came on, you know what I mean? Uh, not that we're old being mm -hmm. in 20s and 30s, but you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. And then the interaction was interesting because I really, I prayed and I'm like, yeah, we need interaction. Like we can't just do, listen to a sermon and that's it. Like we need to interact. That's what a conference is. That's how we grow. That's how it becomes real. So we had the discussion groups and when you're face to face, it's just richer, right? Like when you can see people nodding, you can see people right ready to say something and then you're like okay you'd like to add go ahead i don't know like the vibe is just different and you're all 3d experiencing the same experience versus they're you're not right or everybody laughs at someone's comment on zoom it's still quiet right like, you know like you're missing a lot of those social cues so i find that really really different but but you know you're still able to have conversations that's still there and the content is still there the substance is still there testimonies are still there so. Yeah, it was, it was good to have instead of nothing. Definitely was uh, quite the experience. I mean, I was happy because I was able to have access to GYC Canada. Yeah. Something that would have never happened before. Yeah, but well, that's how we met, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's because. So uh, I'm very glad you had access to GYC Canada. <laughs> <laughs> right. Praise the Lord for those connections, you know. Yeah, I, re yeah. I remember how I got it. Maybe because Dominic is like, hey, come, probably, yes. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I had, oh, yes, she I, she literally dragged me into the, like, kind of, you know how Dominic is. Oh, hey, yeah, come, yeah, yeah. come, 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 come. Yeah, yeah, no, she's fun. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and, and I was uh, interested in the topic, in the topics, so um, that, that was how I, I got into it. But what else? Um, I think something I, I really liked of that was when we had a couple people at the start of each interactive session. Um, they were, you know, two people that we'd highlight that we're still doing ministry through the time. And I know, like, I appreciated that, even though maybe I knew some of those people already, but just hearing again from them how God is still active and when everything's like shutting down, shutting down, cancel, cancel, kind of that feeling of everything's on hold. It's like God is not on hold. And his, his ministry is not on hold. So we're not on hold. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it was really encouraging. Yeah. One thing I've noticed with this COVID-19, one positive thing, mm -hmm. because there are a lot of really, as you were saying, the, the younger generations are having really rough right now. Mm -hmm. But one positive thing is, just to reinforce what you were saying that those of us that are in different locations geographically with no access whatsoever to other things have access to that because i'm saying this because for example i have one of my mentors that she is she has an incredible huge burden for the middle east how to minister to the middle eastern and you know the Islam people and we know that God is active in that part of the world. Mm -hmm. People are having dreams. People are having, 
you know, all those kind of encounters with God over there. Mm -hmm. But that, as Christians, we do not have access, physically at least, to those places. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. However, because of COVID-19 and because everyone went online and started having these conference meetings through Zoom or whatever other, you know, electronic um, device like Discord or those mm -hmm. or such, um, she is able to hold conferences with Islamic people. Oh, wow. Now, she's doing a, a weaker retreat uh, with people from Tunis, um, Jordan, and that part of the world where um, we are Christians, right? She is a Christian Seventh-day Adventist, but she, uh, she's approaching the Islamic people with uh, mental health laws that are ap applicable to any any person without naming our denomination mm -hmm. and that is amazing she's telling me that she, on friday she had the presence of 60 people from the all the middle east area that were glued to her seminar on mental health and um all those things that wow that um, she was offering so that that's why I'm, I'm happy about that but at the same time you know I, I was able to travel by God's grace to Washington to meet up with with Ernie and everyone there and on the way there the restrictions in the airport man yeah. are such a crazy it's like don't touch me don't look at me you're gonna get me sick kind of thing it's <laughs> unbelievable because um you know everyone has as you said everyone has their own thing and everyone has a degree of belief and disbelief in this kind of thing happening mm -hmm. right now mm -hmm. there are those that don't even really care you know we have we have all kinds of people along the spectrum and on the extremes we have the people that absolutely don't care about and i don't really need to wear masks kind of thing and on the other side, on the other stream, we have people that are wearing two masks, literally. Oh, wow. And one mask, one uh, medical mask, and on top of it, they are wearing a cloth mask. Oh, wow. Like, literally. <laughs> so. How do they breathe? Okay. <laughs> that's, that's a question. That's a good, really good question. Uh, but, you know, just for you to see what we are dealing with. Mm-hmm. It, it's 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 unbelievable how this small thing called a virus coronavirus is shaping the world in such a mad way kind of thing insane how are you personally reaching people there in the philippines um yeah for what are you for me, doing personally personally what i'm doing personally is uh i'm I have this program in Facebook that uh, I every day I go live to share my uh, Bible readings in in there. So personally, uh, it's it, that just not many viewers, but I made that commitment that I said that until Jesus comes, I will do this uh, by God's grace uh, to share God's word. Uh, that just come out because we have uh, I have that I have adapted that because 
many people are going live every day, uh, my fellow Adventists, and they are sharing and they are studying, especially the spirit of prophecy. And also every week, uh, we have this uh, meet, meeting with my relatives here in Philippines also, and also in US, we have these uh, discussions. And the interesting fact there is that before COVID-19 came, my aunts and my sister who were born Adventists before, but have uh, cooled off in their, their faith. It's like they have backslidden and gone to the world. But now, they are the one who is volunteering to go back to praise God. That's, uh, it's not us who made that, but I believe that's the working of the Holy Spirit. And yes, uh, many people are, even my non-Adventist friends back in high school like that, they are listening to the words of God. And hopefully, we don't know the impact of the words that we say and the actions that we do, but I believe the Holy Spirit will be working here in Philippines. Now, the connections that we have both in U.S., and also in the other parts of the world, like Malaysia, we have other connections there. And will make a huge impact. Certainly, uh, unity will be a great thing to do in, the, in these last day events and the happening of the loud cry. Because if we, if we share our knowledge one to another, then we can get an idea how to become more efficient and effective worker of God. I believe, yes, that this COVID-19 opened doors for all of us to be more available online. Um, that's a problem as well, in, as well because, you know, so many people connected and one time brings problems as well. But by God's grace, um, that's getting better. And I agree with the fact that the Holy Spirit is really working right now. Um, Something that I've seen, I don't know if, if you guys have experienced this, but something that I've seen personally is that it's either people going to or adopting the, the, the attitude of, how, how to say this? Through this pandemic, I'm seeing the true colors of people. The true colors are coming out. like. This is where you, where I've seen where um, huh, I'm having trouble expressing the idea. This is where this is the period of time in my life that I've seen most people that are really evil are evil, and people that are really good are good. In the sense of you know those that do not care are not gonna care. And those people that are really caring are going to care. Um, and that's how the, the Holy Spirit is moving in that realm, let's say, because people that used to not care are caring as well now. The other way around. I don't know if I'm expressing myself correctly or clear enough. The point is this. Um, let me give you an example, just random. Um, friends that I used to not talk 
much I'm talking right now. Friends that used to not be available when I needed some random talk with someone are available right now. On the other hand, I also have friends that I really need at some point or would be more helpful, some kind of thing that are basically not available at all, that kind of thing. Or even when I go out in the streets and people look at you because I, I, I live in a city where at this point wearing a mask is not something enforced unless you are inside a place where you're gonna eat or supermarket wherever store but when you go out and you are not wearing a mask people look at you funny and that changed my perspective of seeing people in in, in the way that you know if you're not wearing a mask people look at you like you are committing the worst of worst crimes. And I haven't, I haven't noticed that in my entire journey of life until this time. I think uh, the Lord is revealing through this pandemic, the hearts of people, literally, the hearts of people, what's inside their, their hearts, if they are gonna care. Like Jesus says when, when he comes, He's going to say, I never knew you, you know, because, um, um, because people really are showing who they really are through this pandemic. I don't know if you, if um, you guys have experience with that. Oh, yeah, definitely have. <laughs> it's interesting, that notion of, like, showing who you are. Um, Eye-opening, I'll, I'll share it from without names and stuff, but from my conversation with my younger sister yesterday, she was kind of going through how she wasn't Christian before because she just didn't know. And then there was a person in her life that it was a friend and they were like in high school, who was very young, right? But from that young age, she was trying to figure out what this God thing was. And, and she said she'd read the Bible and it was very discouraging actually, because she felt she'd never be good enough and she felt she'd never like she'd never experienced whatever that love was that they were talking about so it was actually discouraging to even read about it but she had heard about this god thing so she kind of prayed and in her own way just asking like if you're there where are you and do you actually really care about me or what how do I interact with you so a friend came in her life and he they're still friends now as a church member and so he was attending the same uh, school that she was attending and so he brought her to church and invited her to bible study and that kind of thing and she said that it was through how he was and she said I you know I was really imperfect and I'd blow up and I'd blow up at him too and she said I was really mad those days and so I'd blow up at him and he was like okay whether or not we're friends whether or not you come to church like all of that aside I just want you to understand that you can talk to God about things. And he'd really pushed that, you know, he wrote verses for her in a piece of paper and gave her that paper. Like it was really kind of over and over. And she said that now, like now she looks back to it. She's like that. Those were the times, Jess, those were the times that I understood, like, this is a thing. 
Because she's like, no one had shown me before. Like, I'd never experienced someone, anyone, guy, girl, my age or not, didn't matter. She's like, I had never experienced someone that would invest in me. And even if I was blowing up and not being super great, insisted on me understanding something that they thought had value for me, which in this case was connecting with Jesus. She's like, that, that was a thing. Like, I didn't even understand that concept of, which now we'd call love, right? Like, love each other, love one another, have love for each other. But she's like, I didn't even know what that was. Like, no one had ever done that before. It was very, like, fend for yourself kind of family, fend for yourself existence. And so just as she was talking, she kept talking and saying other things yesterday. But that really stuck to me and almost God being like, Jessica, listen, learn from this. Like, it's, it's huge. When we interact with people, and they see, to borrow your words again, Vanessa, who you really are. Are they seeing who Jesus really is? In the sense that, like, how do I say this? We underestimate how little people know of what Jesus is like experientially. You know? Like the Ooh. kindness, his love, his listening, that he actually has invested in you for you. Not for him, but for you. Like just, just the concept of care, of being genuinely loved. Like we can't underestimate that in our interactions with people and how valuable that is for someone to just experience from another human being. That was deep. I think I just need to let it sink in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> let it I did too yesterday, yeah. <laughs> Let a waterfall just to work out. <laughs> there's so much to there's so much to this topic, and it's interesting. I mean, I feel like I know we kind of sort of got off topic because the the topic is you know what do we do to reconnect with with individuals and um, especially post COVID. But there's so much to say about you know COVID fundamentally changing our entire existence, like. And like Vanessa was saying, there's there's sneers when you don't wear a mask. There's this just like this underlining like uh, I don't even know how to put it like like this. I don't want to say like prejudice. I guess would probably be the word when it comes to like you not following the rules, you know, of our our new social construct of like you have to wear a mask when you're this and or when you do that and social distancing, like all that kind of stuff. And like I understand like there's individuals that you know break the mold or what have you or refuse to you know to fall in line but those those actions or even actions of people that follow through with like you know abiding in all the guidelines like you you, you can't please everyone like if you're it's, it's so interesting like you can be in a group of individuals and depending on like if that group of individuals wants to wear a mask like they will and then like the odd ones out are the people that don't and if it was like turned around it'd be exactly the same and you would feel all that residual pressure and it's like it's really interesting like Vanessa was saying it's the first time ever you know that in public settings you can you can feel that weight of like responsibility on your shoulders at like all times and it's and it's terrible it's 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 in it in itself it's like it's unhealthy you know what i mean and the world is just changing so like when we're tackling this topic of like how do we reconnect we have new walls we have to break down like like you know what i mean like how to put it like there was there was a 
way back in the day, say before COVID or what have you, like you could sit on a park bench, like, and then there'd be like another park bench next to you and like talk to someone like on a park bench somewhere. Like it'd be so easy and whatnot. And now like people hesitate to do that. And I've realized that even if you still push through and you like actually, you actually commit to it, like people still want conversation. People still want to, you know, that, that organic, uh, the organicness of like just human connection is so relevant now and people don't know it. And I think, I think we're like, we give into that residual pressure so often of just like, well, people don't want to be looked at. They don't want to be talked to. They don't want all this. And like, if you just did it, you know, and figured out where the chips were going to fall, you know, and just in that situation, nine times out of 10, I bet you that other person's going to respond and, and be surprised that like instances like this can still happen. And it's, I don't know, I think it's super important for post-COVID, pre-COVID, after this, you know, what have you, to still, like, try to fundamentally connect with individuals one-to-one when you can, like, because it's just, just like everyone's saying, you know, COVID has made people feel very much alone, and there's no reason to feel alone in a world full of billions and billions of people, like, you know what I mean? We're just, we're just consumed by the idea of, of, of what we perceive others to think about, you know, that makes sense. I think that made sense. We're, we're consumed by the idea of other people's thoughts and we fill their thoughts with our thoughts. And like, we assume that's, that's the absolute truth and it's, it's not. And that, that, that alone is like super, super bad to begin with, but um, it, it handicaps you in so many, so many facets and there's no reason to like, we get a, I don't know, we gotta reconnect with people again. Like we need to like really honestly, wholeheartedly just remember with, remember what humanity and what we can do together as, as people like, and that's something we're not seeing as much anymore. And it's, I'm not saying it's a dying thing, but when it happens, it's so much more rare now. And it, like, it was already rare to begin with. So it's just I don't know, something I ponder a lot and I think about a lot. Definitely, and um, I don't know if you you guys agree with this, but, but something I see that is common in all the things that we mentioned is intentionality, being intentional about anything um, regarding to connecting with people or, or reconnecting in this way. Um, in that realm of intentionality, I think it comes with that what you were mentioning, Ernie, the organic the organic things we used to do in person, just keep them and keep doing them in the way possible through the phone, internet, text messages, wherever. Just be intentional and and um reach out. Either when you need help. Or when someone needs help, just like you were saying, Jess, um, about this little sister or um, any other case. Um, in my case, I, I, as I always say, in the ministry that deals with a lot of mental health, so I, I definitely go that of having to be intentional with people and just um, 
that is, is there when I get to experience Jesus the most, when he becomes real, when I see someone struggling with something that I have no power whatsoever to help them with, but I need to just by, by being there in that moment and just praying and pray, pray with the person, just uh, reaching out, those kind of things just allows me to experientially know Christ, just like you were saying, just and experientially have that encounter with him to to help others have the same experience so um i think one thing that is coming in our conversation right now is being intentional i don't know what else you guys can add to that because also considering the fact that we have no idea how long this thing is gonna go on I think it's super important. We are, you know, we're intentional and intentional for all the the right reasons of just being a, a spinning example of being a, a, uh, you know, a, a tower to lean on for these individuals that maybe are going through things or need assistance or a friend or someone that's outside of, you know, their sphere or whatnot. Like it's, um, it's really important. And I think I keep saying it's really important. It's just, it really is that important to be intentional with, who you're, you're talking to and how you talk to them and like the way you interact with them, like all those things are so important for them being revealed to Christ. Like every moment of every second of our lives is a living testament of our relationship with him. So got to be very careful with it. As you we were talking, Ernie, I was thinking also something that we have to bear in mind at this point in time is another very important word and that word is flexible being flexible because if there is another thing that this COVID-19 showed us is that we cannot be rigid with some things and I'm saying some things because you know God has laws and we, we need to abide for a good reason to those laws but for example, the fact that here in um, California, they are not allowed to meet in person in churches and they cannot have group meetings. They cannot have, you know, all these restrictions. So how do we adapt that to connecting people again? You know, flexibility and intentionality. Do you think they go hand in hand? Uh, what what's what's your view on that I don't know, well, yeah I totally got you i mean okay so people can't get together well that doesn't really matter in our time and age like i mean pioneer times you know colonial even even about a hundred years ago that would have been detrimental because people need to get together you know and and or people are ready or established in locations, not like cities that we have now, where they're pretty much on their own a lot of the time. We have grown accustomed in the new generation here for convenience and locality. You know, we're surrounded, our, our closest neighbor, you can touch the, you know, their house, you know, if you put your hand out the window, it's like that close, you know, that kind of thing. So 
even though people can't come together, when we have the ability to connect with someone on a one-on-one, say we're at a local market or at, I don't know, farmer's market or the store or what have you, whatever situation puts you in a, in a public setting where you meet somebody new, ten, nine out of 10 times, if there's something worth, you know, happening after that conversation, that that's the inquiry with them, that, that experience with them, like that doesn't have to end there. It doesn't have to end with just like this one time we met, blah, blah, blah. We had this cool conversation. Goodbye. Like we have cell phones, we have the internet, everyone's connected through social media, like especially our demographic, our younger generation. And that's, uh, I don't even want to get into like the youngest generation, like the Gen Z's, like they're ingrained in technology. So the way they communicate is in a facet that is so much quicker and so much like just more than, you know, what we grew into in our generation. Cause we, cause we grew into this, like it just, it did happen real, real fast, but it was gradual. Like we, you know, kind of stuff. So anyways, what I'm trying to say is even though people can't meet together and interactions that do happen in person, they don't have to end there. And you have to be intentional, like you were talking about earlier, about upholding that friendship or upholding that relationship and making it something that's like gonna last, you know, whatnot. And you have to put in the work and you have to really want it or, and what have you. And it has to be reciprocated back to you, of course. You can't force something that's not gonna happen. But to connect with people in person and then connect with them digitally is something that happens in our world and has been happening before COVID. And it, it is so vitally important now that we make very intentional efforts to connect with individuals and new individuals on those social platforms. That way we can actually interact with them and have conversations with them. And that leads you to stuff like this, having online groups, having online Bible studies, like having cell phone calls that last five hours, you know, without you even blinking an eye, you know, that's that, that kind of thing. Like, it doesn't have to end just with the one in-person thing is what I'm saying. I keep saying the same thing, so uh, I'm good. <laughs> I'm done here. <laughs> to bring us um, maybe a little bit into the Bible, bring back the Bible with a question about how do we reconnect with people? Because the Bible is timeless, right? Like it goes through whatever. And we've seen quarantine examples in the Bible too. I mean, look at the typical one, Noah, but let's look at John and the island of Patmos. That's kind of a isolating experience too, right? And he didn't have technology even, but <laughs> he was writing. So um, he's still using his, his talent and his connection with God was vital and he was writing and sending it back to people, right? That's how we got the book of Revelation. So it's amazing to think that in his time of quarantine, if you will, it wasn't a health-related quarantine, but in his time of quarantine, he wrote things that this day and age, they are providing us guidance and prophetic timeline. So yeah, like to not underestimate what God can still do and how God can connect us to people even now exactly and there's nothing that there's nothing that separates us from the will of god if we if we allow it you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. the only one that's really going to separate us from god is ourselves you know kind of thing if we choose not to do what have you but you're right like look at that example of john 
he's quarantined, he's alone, he's, he's doing stuff. And his fundamental way for him to connect with others, you know, indirectly, because he's really connecting with God and writing it down, is through writing and it being something that we all now like and that like for since since the moment he wrote it like everyone's been able to connect with it you know what i mean yeah. like that's that's powerful i mean we can look at our own at our own church you know we have we have ellen white like if you just fundamentally broke down everything she's done it's just some lady in a room writing on a like on a table onto yes. paper. Like that's, yeah. that's fundamentally all she did, but there's so, so much that was connected between what she was writing and what the spirit of the Lord was leading her, you know, all those types of things. I don't have to go into that, but like, that is just, it's so important. And if, if that is a facet in which God is used for, you know, Ellen Harmon or for, for John, like, what is he using for, for Ernie Hernandez? What is he doing for, for, for Jessica like, what is she doing for Vanessa? Like, you know, what is she doing for Van? And like, yeah. and where does that put us, you know? Yes, yes. And literally living like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's, and I think there's reasons why there's people like, like us in conversations like this or have interests that are in technology now or have interest in things that are just, just so vastly different from one another because there's there's an important work to be done in the avenues and hobbies and interests that we all personally have and those are another testament and another way for us to reconnect with others because we're not the only individuals in the world that have those interests two more verses um stand out to me put them in the chat too first samuel 23 16 it's a one-on-one conversation again we're talking about how there's you know no more than six people or no more than 10 or whatever the rule is depending where you are so here's a one-on-one jonathan and david and david's needing the encouragement so how do we reach out well it says jonathan gave him amazing words no he doesn't say that jonathan gave him a book to read no he says jonathan strengthened his hand in God. Really interesting. Like we don't have to think that, I don't have to think that I'm the solution to anybody's problems per se. Like, yes, I I would just talk about relationship and I'm not saying that's not important. That's very important. Very, very important. Sure. But ultimately, like I walk away, I hang up and then that person is alone again (laughs) you know what I mean like and yes our conversations help and it helps to not feel alone but like ultimate 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 may God help us to strengthen their hand in God Mm -hmm. and that doesn't say how he strengthens them or what no I know but there's so much there's there's so many things there like I like the way I uh, I view that just as you read it to me because I haven't I've read that before but I just anyways yeah yeah um like being strengthened for me in that sentence when you were saying it, it was just like him re-identifying himself with with god and like mm-hmm. who who are you kind of like question like you know mm-hmm. and this is who you are you are the son of the father you're you know you're the son of the kingdom not the son of the father right that's jesus but yeah. <laughs> like you know that kind of thing like we're all sons of the re- father now. <laughs> right exactly <laughs> like he was just like reevaluate your existence and there's there's so much more and he was strengthened by the fact that he wasn't alone 
like and, and that's exactly what you're talking about right mm -hmm. alone and he's not you know we have we have an infinite wonderful father above and we don't have to be alone you know that kind of thing so he's strengthened by that idea yeah. at least that's how i think went down but it could have been so many other things and yeah yeah that's great I think Van put another verse in the chat too. Van, do you want to read it or speak to it? You wrote yeah. 1 Corinthians 9. Yeah. Uh, in addition to your verses that you have mentioned on how can we reach uh, others, I, I just would like to read the uh, method of Paul. It says here in 1 Corinthians 9.21-23, to to the lawless, I became, I became like someone lawless, mm. even though I'm not lawless before God, but under the Messiah's law, so that I could win the lawless. I became weak to the weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, mm. so that in all ways I might save some. I do it all because of the gospel, so that I can be a partner in its uh, benefits. Uh, so this verse, uh, it's very applicable to wow. us also right now because sometimes maybe in our in our church here, uh, there are methods that back in the church that we can say it's not applicable even after post COVID nineteen because uh, people are still in Rome at that time and fearful still, but. Uh, when we when we will become like uh, Ernie said, intentional, and will and will meet where they are, and will meet their needs, and it says here in Paul, like I became like them who they are. Not if we say like they are, uh, what are their interests and what are their uh, longings and where they are getting through if we are there if we are become sympathetic and empathetic to them then we can reach to them if they will be in zoom then we will also go to the zoom uh, even christ reached those who are seen uh, outcasts in their church meaning those who are like uh, sinners in our sense but actually, they are a jewel of God. Before we reach others, we, sh uh, we should pray that God will give uh, confidence and strength to reach our families. Because just like Lot and his family, uh, the angels came to him that uh, you should uh, convince your families to go out from the Sodom and Gomorrah, for I will. Uh, bring back the things here, the judgment. And, and I would like to read to you about the uh, last day events in this stage, page 217. Um, as the third message swells to a loud cry, and as great power and glory attend the closing work, the faithful people of God will partake of that glory. It is the latter rain which revives and strengthens them to pass through the time of trouble. As the end approaches, the testimonies of God's servant 
will become more decided and more powerful. So, yeah, it is the latter rain that will make us bold and will not be ashamed of the gospel that is in us. Uh, before, I was, uh, I was ashamed of the gospel that I have. But right now, uh, I believe God is giving me the courage and the boldness to speak the truth because this is the thing that will last. All, all riches, all fame, all glory will last, but the word of God will, is really forever, will stand forever, no matter how they will uh, mock at it, no matter how they will shy at it. That's that verse is so important too. First Corinthians nine, you know, twenty one. You know, I've become all all things to all men, because it 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 is it is fundamentally that when we connect with people, we connect with them on the things that they show interest in. Like you know what I mean? Like like you can you can be let's put it this way: you can love basketball and whatnot. That when you meet somebody that likes soccer. You can you can't connect with them with basketball because they're a soccer player. You know what I mean? Like, so you become sort of a you, fundamental understanding of soccer to be able to connect with them, and you can connect with them on the fact that it's still a sport. You know what I mean? You you, you don't really come down, I guess, is a word like because people will view it as like coming down. It's not really coming down. It's just actually getting to a point where you can connect with them and that's that's so important because that's the second part of our, our question here is like how do we reconnect with non-christians and it's stuff like that it's interests that are that are our own of course but connecting with others that have those interests and those are, are opening gates or what have you to be able to um to really start building that friendship or building that connection with somebody so i'm just glad that van brought that verse up because it, it's super it's really important I was thinking about a a while ago. It's not something I mentioned to anybody, but um, Jessica's, you know, First Samuel. I've I've read that whole book and I've read it through. Uh, was it Prophets and Kings? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I read it as a, I read through the whole book and then I read it again with Prophets and Kings. And um, I was I I remember so distinctly the biggest thing I pulled out of that book was like when the Ark of the Covenant's taken away. You know what I mean by the, the Philistines. Mm -hmm. And you know, like the children of Israel are lamenting, they're all sad and whatnot. And they weren't supposed to take the ark there to begin with, and it was their total fault, what have you. But there's that story of the statue of Dagon, right? When it's when the Ark of the Covenant's in the hands of the Philistines and it keeps falling down mm -hmm. and then like it finally breaks or what have you. And, and then they all get all paranoid, they they pay offerings or what have you, and they send it back. And then the children of Israel are excited or whatnot when it comes back or what have you. Um but it got me thinking some one day and I was like, you know, we in our Christian walk, we, we assume that God needs us, like needs us to spread the gospel. Like he needs us to connect with others and do this and do that. And it, it's vitally important that we do because he definitely wants us to do things. He's given us that privilege. He's given us that great commission, right? But in that story, you see that God doesn't need us at all. Like he was in the hands of a heathen nation like you know the ark of the covenant like like the most sacred like article that's probably been on the earth and he didn't need us to reveal who he was to these people he just revealed himself to them like and show them that their 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 god or what dagon or what have you was meaningless to this this infinite god the true god you know what i mean 
and it didn't take convincing like he didn't have to say anything like it was just the mere act of his presence and power and might and his glory and his honor like all those type of things that revealed that to the nation and the whole nation decided to get rid of them because they were just not ready for this you know what i mean and i i find it interesting in in some in some regards that when we are connecting or we're trying to minister to people we try to do everything like it's like all of our spiritual knowledge we get just got to get out there and we have to be real tactful and do this and do that and we kind of forget sometimes that that if we just let it be like he does the work like he does like all the heavy work you know what i mean and it's it's super important just to just to be reminded that we have the privilege of assisting others to know jesus and it is his great privilege that he allows us to do that but it's his work that happens in their heart like it is his work that happens with them and him and that connection growing is like the most important thing maybe not even our friendship with one another or you know with a non-believer or a believer you know eventually coming closer and closer like the connection with him and that individual is what we ultimately got to get at and and whatnot and we don't get at it you just let it be you know kind of stuff and you let god do the working and stuff so anyways i just i figured i'd share that because it's something that's been in my mind for a long time yep i agree and you know what um as you were saying all this ernie i'm i'm kind of typing down like some keywords here and I'm, what I got from the entire conversation so far is one, intentionality. Then we have flexibility. Then the one that you were mentioning, um, Ernie, solid dependence on God for ourselves as a source of strength, but also as the one that really knows the hearts of those that we come in contact with. Mm. Then I type down willingness and finally i type down find common ground with people even more so with those that are outside the church that's that's what I, i'm getting out of the conversation on how to connect and reconnect i do not disagree on one facet <laughs> <laughs> i think it's super good i think also maybe one and maybe this is one just for me like uh it's okay to be uncomfortable like not like you know like unsafe or like uncomfortable but like sometimes you tread ground especially with a non-believer where you just you maybe don't have all the answers or you don't know how to like quite res like respond or what have you and it's okay to have a little bit of that uncomfortability because it just shows just it shows you you know like who you are and that there's still more room to grow and it's just like organic and nice. You know what I mean? Like it's okay to be a little uncomfortable in situations, I guess. I don't know. That's something I've, I've found when I'm like connecting with someone or what have you. And there's, they're talking about things that just like literally have zero interest <laughs> and or like knowledge about. And it's, it's okay to just kind of just shut down and kind of just let them be and just ask questions about it and try to learn as you go kind of stuff, you know? I've learned that they, they need that in like some people mm -hmm. again i'm talking about gen younger generation but they they really want like us the next generation up mm -hmm. to listen 
and like be interested. Like the other day, one was showing me their um, Pinterest boards and they have like all these, you know, pictures of boho stuff and I'm not into bohemian style like at all, but <laughs> that's okay. So they're like, yeah, so which one do you want to see? And in my head, I'm like, well, given they're all boho, <laughs> no, 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 I'm kidding, I'm kidding, but, but I'm like, okay, well, let's do the one you have on whatever it was, right? So then they're like, okay, look, and, and they're telling me about why they picked those pictures and blah, blah, like they don't really necessarily care if we know about their stuff as much as knowing that we care about them and the fact that it matters to them, you know? Mm-hmm. As long as we care about their interest. Yeah. Know? Exactly. Yeah. All right, two more words to the list. One is show interest and availability. Hmm. Sounds promising. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Guys, what about this? This has been on my mind a bit and connects to GYC. Kind of know what it's doing a little bit too, but do what tell. But Ephesians 6 18, hmm. um, part of the armor last part of the armor and he says praying always with all prayer to stand in that context i don't think i pray enough part of it is because like i know prayer for me works i have absolutely no question about that as in you know my own prayer relationship with god but praying for things that are larger than i don't see the results of or praying for people half of me believes it a lot and then half of me is like well are you sure that did anything god's already interested anyway so why should i pray about that (laughs) i I always have that kind of internal debate going on and lately it's been in my mind that i just need to pray more like from verses pray pray even if i don't get why it works or how it works or why it's important to pray if god already cares to pray and I was thinking about two stories came in my head to really solidify this in my head and kind of win that internal argument one was Daniel when he prays confused and the angel comes and he tells him give them a window of why he came right he's like I came your prayer went up and I was sent to you mm. so as a direct product of his prayer, the angel is sent to clarify. So there's some connection there to me that like, well, if I pray for other people, whether I can connect with them in person or not, whether I can connect with them through Zoom or not, whether they can come across the border or not, whatever with this COVID stuff, if I pray, maybe an angel will be sent down to them and encourage them. You get what I'm saying? Like figuratively, not saying Gabriel's actually going to come but you know what I mean like there's a power there in prayer the second story is the one of Peter when they're all praying for him together that one's a together collective prayer and he's in prison and while they're praying the angel goes and frees him from prison walks him out and grants them that privilege of seeing him the direct fruits of their prayer and he goes right and they don't even believe that it's him at the door but they were right there together praying for him to be freed obviously it happened and i think okay what about that aspect collective prayer like zoom calls which brings me to what gyc is doing now we're doing we did one in august we did one in september just a zoom call 15 minutes a second, for that. yeah you were there on one that's true 
just to pray as a collective again like really for me it's just out of faith that it's a thing because i don't necessarily understand how it works but it works it worked for david daniel it worked for peter I need to pray more yeah it definitely worked for david too i mean well, david too yeah <laughs> say that it didn't but you know he wrote all the psalms and whatnot and prayers and <laughs> mm -hmm. true true yeah. yeah i think it's super important yeah. that we have a, a prayer a prayer life that is is maybe not so uh i don't want to say superficial because i do believe all of our prayers are genuine and i think the spirit of privacy talks about um that all prayers even even there even those that are like how does she put it not a prayer is altered or offered mm -hmm. um that is insignificant basically is yeah. paraphrasing you know what I mean? but um yeah like it doesn't and maybe that's something that's a blockade for a lot of of our personal prayer because I, I can honestly tell you too like i probably don't pray enough and i don't know if that's just me getting in my own way or it's an honest like truth of just like i have to do more than the bare minimum you know what i mean mm -hmm. you know? and what was i gonna get at i was gonna get at us, us getting our own way like what is what is like <laughs> how to, I don't know how to put it in the right contents like but like we say we all want to pray more and we have this idea of what prayer is you know mm -hmm. what a good prayer life is but what is it actually because like for one person to pray for you know three hours or whatnot they might need that they might mm -hmm. absolutely totally wholeheartedly need those three hours you know what I mean but another individual maybe prays for half that time or less than that let's say they pray 45 minutes like and that's all they absolutely truly honestly need right and, and stuff so maybe we have to get to a point where us as individuals kind of figure out you know what our actual prayer life would look like um and for us to be filled with with it you know what i mean because it it not it might not be so daunting as you know 16 hours or, or five hours a night or a day or whatnot or all night you know those those ideas we have kind of constructed in our head because we have you know have biblical um points about it but to the day-to-day -day, like i don't i don't think every oh. single individual in the bible was praying you know 20 hours a day i think none were and all of them were in the sense that, um, like, I totally, totally, a thousand percent agree with you about the three hours versus two, like, devotional, same thing, right? How long is long enough? And all these kind of, I don't know, questions that people can get really hung up on and kind of of God just wanting to talk to us, right? Like, however long every individual needs. Mm -hmm. I think when I say, like, I need to pray more, what I'm, personally, what I meant with that was not about time being more or whatever like people in the bible i don't think any of them stopped and did nothing and prayed for 20 hours like heck no but then i think all of them were living in that first thessalonians 5 like pray without ceasing kind of thing like as they lived their lives like oh god and this and oh shoot god this happened like god what do i do okay god and you know like they were like in that kind of constant just talking to him as you live your life oh yeah but when i say so, i need to pray more it's like for issues you know like i i will think there's an issue or I realize someone's going through something or something comes up or whatever 
Mm-hmm. And then I think, okay, what do I know in the Bible to solve it? Or like, what does God tell us to do? Or something like that, which is fine. But it's like, Jessica, why don't you just actually ask God to do something about it? You know, like just mm-hmm. that's what I mean by pray more, like bring issues to him. I guess. And for people too. Like I had a, a student that asked me a question and they were saying something about like, well, I think people believe in God are stupid and he has the right to say that and to believe that, right? Yeah. And in my head after, I was like, God, you know, how can I share with him that it's not at all about stupid or intelligent, but it's just a, a truth that you really exist. And he was like, okay, yes, yes. Like we'll have to share with him, but what about praying for him? Mm. I'm like, right. Like, that's what I mean. You know, that <laughs> I, I don't pray for people or pray for things. I kind of forget that part. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. No, no, that makes, that makes a lot more sense. I mean, it's kind of going down to what what uh, Vanessa was talking about in our just interactions with others, like intentional prayer. That's mm-hmm. kind of ultimately what it is, right? Like being very intentional about it, and uh, and maybe even doing uh, doing and or praying for things that seem unfeasible, um, yeah. and just committing to it. Like actually, just just keep committing to it. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, there's so many beautiful prayer stories of people that prayed for strangers and then. Then the stranger just shows up to the local church, like you know what I mean, like exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> so, I got you. Um, what I'm thinking out of what you're saying, Jess, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I work for a prayer ministries, and something that my mentor has been teaching me is, it's not a when when we talk about prayer without ceasing it's not about 10 hours straight of staying on your knees praying for something kind of thing is more along the lines of having that 24 7 prayerful attitude yes yes that your heart is in constant communication with god yes so whenever something comes up you out of the blue whenever you start going through the first thing that you do is, mm-hmm. Lord, this and this and this and this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like the saying that I found on Facebook or something like that says, you know, is there is um, it's not directly connected to what you're saying, but it's somehow connected. And I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna butcher it, but I'm just gonna try to say it. It's um, that phrase that says, uh, I want to know a God that whenever I mess up, I'm not gonna say. No, I I cannot talk with my dad. On the other hand, I want to know a God that whenever I mess up, I'm going to say, I need to call my dad. Yes. Kind of thing. So that 24-7 prayerful attitude, that 24-7 heart-to-heart connection with God, that, you know, by connection, I mean prayer, you know, prayerful attitude Mm -hmm. for wherever, from the smallest thing to the biggest thing that you can ask him for and i agree with the fact just that you mentioned that we need to pray more not only for things that are pertaining to our life right here right now but we also need to pray for things that are going to be larger than our own lives Mm -hmm. what happens if i get in a car accident and i die tomorrow i mean 
kind of thing, right? I need to pray today for something that is going to happen after I'm gone. That kind of mindset. You know, I think that's the mindset that Paul had. He knew he, at some point he would be out of the picture, but he was constantly praying for everyone and everything. You know, that constant prayerful attitude, heart to heart with God, that, that you can sense it as soon as you touch his writings. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's beautiful. I don't know. What do you guys think about? Well, he always prayed at his greetings at the beginning or at the end, allude to him having them in prayer or even asking them. I think that's another part that encourages me to pray. Like he asked them, right? Pray for us that God may open a door for us to witness, I paraphrase, but pray for that we may have a way to enter this city. Like pray, he's asking in his letters for prayers. So he believes it helps (laughs) yeah i mean i think his prayers are applying even to us today well jesus's prayer you know yeah doesn't that one touch you like when it says i pray for all my disciples this is john 17 yeah i pray for everyone and those who will believe because of the word of their testimony that's you and me yeah yeah definitely because of john matthew look right so he prayed for us 2,000 years ago. Like, ah! I know. <laughs> That's powerful. Sits you in the throat and you want to cry about it. It's just so, so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But even like, I mean, it's, it's so hard to read some of Jesus' prayers. Like, in, and then the rebukes that, are, that were there, you know, when he prays for disciples. And, because it is, it's so much more than just, you know, his 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 local disciples but then there's like there's that sentence where he's just like peter you know i prayed for you you know satan wants to shift you as wheat and i pray that your faith doesn't falter and it's like oh my you oh my (laughs) you know he's he's done the same for us i mean he's 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 our partition you know like for for all that we've done in our heavenly sanctuary like he quite literally is the intercessor for us and and stuff and he sees that is that connected to us and i don't know i mean we're talking about prayer without ceasing i mean here's here's jesus that that totally is, has done that and is it is still continually doing that for us he's our propitiation between us and the father and it's just it's incredible it really is and just like that we reach the end of another episode we'd like to encourage you to join us and be an active voice on our next live meeting. You can find all the details on our Collective Voices Facebook group. Thank you so much for your support.